Chapter Two of Lucinda by Friedrich Schlegel, translated by Paul Bernard Thomas in 1914. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two. Dithyrambic fantasy on the loveliest of situations. A big tear falls upon the holy sheet which I found here instead of you. How faithfully and how simply you have sketched it, the old and daring idea of my dearest and most intimate purpose. In you it has grown up, and in this mirror I do not shrink from loving and admiring myself. Only here I see myself in harmonious completeness. For your spirit, too, stands distinct and perfect before me, not as an apparition which appears and fades away again, but as one of the forms that endure forever. It looks at me joyously out of its deep eyes and opens its arms to embrace my spirit. The holiest and most evanescent of those delicate traits and utterances of the soul, which to one who does not know the highest seem like bliss itself, are merely the common atmosphere of our spiritual breath and life. The words are weak and vague. Furthermore, in this throng of impressions, I could only repeat anew the one inexhaustible feeling of our original harmony. A great future beckons me on into the immeasurable. Each idea develops a countless progeny. The extremes of unbridled gaiety and of quiet presentiment live together within me. I remember everything, even the griefs, and all my thoughts that have been and are to be stir themselves and arise before me. The blood rushes wildly through my swollen veins. My mouth thirsts for the contact of your lips, and my fancy seeks vainly among the many forms of joy for one which might at last gratify my desire and give it rest. And then again, I suddenly and sadly bethink me of the gloomy time when I was always waiting without hope and madly loving without knowing it, when my innermost being overflowed with a vague longing which it breathed forth, but barely in half-suppressed sighs. Oh, I should have thought it all a fairy tale that there could be such joy, such love as I now feel and such a woman who could be my most tender beloved, my best companion, and at the same time a perfect friend. For it was in friendship especially that I sought for what I wanted, and for what I never hoped to find in any woman. In you I found it all, and more than I could wish for, for you are so unlike the rest. Oh, what custom or caprice calls womanly, you know nothing. The womanliness of your soul, aside from minor peculiarities, consists in its regarding life and love as the same thing. For you, all feeling is infinite and eternal. You recognize no separations. Your being is an indivisible unity. That is why you are so serious and so joyous why you regard everything in such a large and indifferent way. That is why you love me, all of me, 
and will surrender no part of me to the state to posterity or to manly pleasures i am all yours we are closest to each other and we understand each other you accompany me through all the stages of manhood from the utmost wantonness to the most refined spirituality in you alone i first saw true pride and true feminine humility the most extreme suffering if it is only surrounded without separating us would seem to me nothing but a charming antithesis to the sublime frivolity of our marriage why should we not take the harshest whim of chance for an excellent jest and a most frolicsome caprice since we like our love are immortal i can no longer say my love and your love they are both alike in their perfect mutuality marriage is the everlasting unity and alliance of our spirits not only for what we call this world and that world but for the one true indivisible nameless endless world of our entire being so long as we live therefore if it seemed the proper time i would drain with you a cup of poison just as gladly and just as easily as that last glass of champagne we drank together when i said quote, and so let us drink out the rest of our lives end quote. with these words i hurriedly waft the wine before its noblest spirit ceased to sparkle and so i say again let us live in love i know you would not wish to survive me you would rather follow your dying husband into his coffin gladly and lovingly would you descend into the burning abyss even as the women of india do compelled by a mad law the cruel constraining purpose of which desecrates and destroys the most delicate sanctities of the will on the other side perhaps longing will be more completely realized i often wonder over it every thought and whatever else is fashioned within us seems to be complete in itself as single and indivisible as a person one thing crowds out another and that which just now was near and present soon sinks back into obscurity and then again come moments of sudden and universal clarity when several such spirits of the inner world completely fuse together into a wonderful wedlock and many a forgotten bit of our ego shines forth in a new light and even illuminates the darkness of the future with its bright lustre as it is in a small way so it is also i think in a large way that which we call life is for the complete inner mortal man only a single idea an indivisible feeling and for him there come too moments of the profoundest and fullest consciousness when all lives fall together and mingle and separate in a different way the time is coming when we too shall behold in one spirit that we are blossoms of one plant or petals of one flower we shall then know with a smile that what we now call merely hope was really memory 
do you know how the first seed of this idea germinated in my soul before you and took root in yours does not the religion of love weave our love ever and ever more closely and firmly together just as a child like an echo doubles the happiness of its gentle parents nothing can part us and certainly any separation would only draw me more powerfully to you i bethink me how at our last embrace you vehemently resisting i burst into simultaneous tears and laughter i tried to calm myself and in a sort of bewilderment i would not believe that i was separated from you until the surrounding objects convinced me of it against my will but then my longing grew again irresistible until on its wings i sank back into your arms suppose words or a human being to create a misunderstanding between us the poignant grief would be transient and quickly resolve itself into complete harmony how could separation separate us when presence itself is to us as it were too present we have to cool and mitigate the consuming fire with jests and thus for us the most witty of the forms and situations of joy is also the most beautiful one among all is at once the wittiest and the loveliest when we exchange roles and with childish delight try to see who can best imitate the other whether you succeed best with the tender vehemence of a man or i with the yielding devotion of a woman do you know this sweet game has for me quite other charms than its own it is not merely the delight of exhaustion or the anticipation of revenge i see in it a wonderful and profoundly significant allegory of the development of man and woman into complete humanity that was my dithyrambic fantasy on the loveliest situation in the loveliest of worlds i know right well what you thought of it and how you took it at the time and i think i know just as well what you will think of it and how you will take it here here in this little book in which you expect to find genuine history plain truth and calm reason yes even morality the charming morality of love Quote, how can a man wish to write anything which it is scarcely permissible to talk about which ought only to be felt End quote. i replied quote, a man feels it he must wish to talk about it and what a man wishes to talk about he may write End quote i wanted first to demonstrate to you that there exists in the original and essential nature of man a certain awkward enthusiasm which likes to utter boldly that which is delicate and holy and sometimes falls headlong over its own honest zeal and speaks a word that is divine to the point of coarseness this apology would indeed save me but perhaps only at the enormous expense of my manhood itself for whatever you may think of my manhood in particular you have nevertheless a great deal against the sex in general meantime i will by no means make common cause with them 
but will rather excuse and defend my liberty and audacity by means of the example of the little innocent wilhelmina since she too is a lady whom i love most tenderly so i will straightway attempt a little sketch of her character End of section two.